0: To the Friday Night Ohio Podcast, powered by Sarda. I'm Cliff Hickman of the Kent Repository, along with Joe Scalzo of the Rep. And today we're previewing Friday Night in Week Eleven. The playoffs have arrived, and Joe, there's no better way to start this off than with Division One.
1: Yeah, Solon McKinley is a, a rematch of last year's game. I was at that game um, in Solon, and it was it was really entertaining. I think McKinley won twenty eight fifteen, but it was one of those games where Solon I think they they were in McKinley's side of the field seven times. They only scored twice, so that was kind of the, one of those games. They just you know McKinley just kept making big plays, and uh, just a, a fun uh, rematch. A lot of the same guys are there. Um, you know, Lamir Garrett had a hundred yard game last year. He's back. Obviously he's second in the county in, in rushing this year. He's he's been the you know, the best player, probably not just on McKinley, but I think he's probably the front runner for Stark County Player of the Year at this point. And uh um you know, Solon's got Pat McQuaid, the the you know, um the The quarterback that they played last year, he was a sophomore last year. He's a junior this year. He's thrown for two thousand yards. Um, Khalil Eichelberger is a thousand yard rusher. Um, and I remember last year thinking I I wish I didn't have to spell that name again, but it looks like I'm gonna have to do that again a couple of times uh, this week. But um, so both both teams have good quarterbacks, good running backs, good receivers, um, defenses that um, you know Solon's are probably a little bit more of a weakness than it was last year. So McKinley looked to run the ball, but um, I, I think it's a good match. Matchup and, and really the key for Division One is avoiding Menor and St. Ed's in that, in that first round because um, you, you got to play them eventually, but you don't want to do it uh, at one of their stadiums. So McKinley gets this one at home. Um, you know, the game we'll talk about next Jackson, Euclid, they at
0: least, you know, avoid those teams, although they do have to make a little bit of a road trip there. Absolutely. Any concerns with McKinley coming off the tough loss to Maslin there in Week 10? Yeah, it's always an interesting question and because um, not only are you coming off a, a really emotional
1: loss, but you got a little bit of a short week, and the Solon coaches were able to come down and scout McKinley because they figured it was either going to be McKinley or Euclid that they are playing in the first round. They'd already played Euclid, um, so they're familiar with him, and so um, there's a little bit of a disadvantage there for McKinley, Just and that happens every year, um, although you know, it used to be the Division One was playing on Saturday, so it wasn't as big of a deal. But um, so it's always interesting to see how they, they respond. But last year they had the same circumstances. They lost to, to Maslin and came back on a short week and beat beat Solon. So um, I guess, you know, they're, they're only 16, 17 year old kids. They should be able to bounce back. I know when I was that age, I didn't have much of a memory and everything healed up in about 30 seconds. So it yeah, be I wish good. I
0: had that healing ability <laughs> back. I can tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> And then you mentioned Jackson at Euclid, the polar bears coming off that thrilling win over Hoover last week. How are things looking for Jackson? Yeah,
1: I think that gave them um, a lot of confidence and, and uh, they, you know, they've been a little banged up. They've got some guys that are out and, and they're kind of had to shift things around, but their main guys are still, still playing and, um, you know Ethan Atkins he, he is the county's leading rusher um, he's right ahead have a, a Lemire garrett and, and he had a 200 yard game he carried it 44 times against Hoover so we're talking about like that healing power of being 17 uh, he, that comes in handy when you carry it 44 times but
0: I don't know if there is a healing factor 44 (laughs) times Joe that sounds like a lot
1: 44 times is where you're grateful that you you didn't have to play both ways because man that's a lot of times getting slammed up in there but um, I
0: sit in the same spot for four hours and I'm ready to be done for two days let alone carry a football 44 times Yeah, and uh, Hunter
1: Geisinger had a nice game um, really efficient against Hoover and and then obviously it helps that he has Jake Ryan who um, is, is you know one of the county's best football Players. He's a receiver. He's a safety. Punts. He returned punts. And one thing I noticed on Friday was he he would almost like. He was kind of like Marquise Grissom back when the, he played for the Indians where he would play up on punt returns and then just run back to catch him and he would catch him like over his shoulder like it was the, nothing at all like it was no big deal at all. Um so he's very athletic and great hands and um he's been a huge part of what they've done not just this year but the last few years so um good good matchup you know for them you know Euclid I would say is his man there old school I formation Pounded, physical, violent team, and so they got to be ready for that. And and uh, you know the the Federal League is a physical conference, but when I saw Euclid play against McKinley, I was amazed at just how violent they were. And uh, it's almost like you got a bunch of guys who have no regard for how their bodies are going to feel when they're forty, um, because they're just slamming right up in there. Ah, that
0: doesn't sound like a sound strategy long term, but like you said, when you're young you can, you know, you think you're immortal and you can kind of get away with it for a little bit. Mm
1: -hmm. And they have three running backs, two or three running backs They use. They have a really uh, talented quarterback who can run and throw and so that'll be a challenge. Jackson played, I think, Euclid a couple of years ago, and it didn't turn out very well. So, um, you know, hoping to to put together a better season. But uh, no matter what happens, I think they've kind of overachieved uh, in most people's eyes this year, going eight and two, and and uh, you know, you know, almost you know, finishing second in the federal league, and then making a, a playoff run here.
0: All right, we'll move on in just a moment. First though, the Friday Night Ohio podcast is powered by Sarda. Sarda providing over 5,000 rides a day for work. Sarda provides over 2.4 million rides a year. Sarda takes you to work, school, medical appointments and more. Sarda, where can we take you today? And now we're taking a look at Division Two, Joe, first-round matchup. Perry Panthers have a home game. They draw Hudson. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and, and, you know, it's funny is they've, they've played each other, I think it might have been three years in a row, I think um, 14, 15, and 16 or something like that. Maybe it was 15, 16, and 17. But um, the, the thing that sticks out about this game was a couple years ago um, we were talking to Keith Wakefield, Josh Weir, and I, and he just mentioned about how Hudson kids have better – Better cars in their parking lot, and how they wear hair gel, and Perry kids don't, and uh, I think (laughs) I think that didn't sit real well um, up in Hudson, but. But uh yeah, the two times they've played in the division two playoffs, Perry's come out and won and and uh but they were very physical games. I mean I think Hudson has this reputation for being a, a rich community, which they certainly are, but um football wise they were they were they played like blue collar talented kids and, and uh so this is another good matchup and and again we talked about in division one avoiding those nightmare teams. Perry avoids a Maslin or a Hoban in week in, in week one, and and uh, and so I think this is a you know a matchup they feel like they can win, and they can let you know everybody else deal with Hoban and Maslin in the first round.
0: Well, it sounds like Coach Wakefield there violated the marquee of Queensbury rules by talking about someone's (laughs) hair gel there. You can't talk about a man's hair, whatever you do. Well, I would have to say,
1: too, I was wearing hair, or I had hair gel in my hair at the time, I think, when I was doing that interview. But I'm from Lake, not from Perry, so maybe it's okay
0: yeah i don't have any hair gel i do have beard gel which is what is keeping it all over the place right now that's a do you use beard gel no i don't oh, okay. it, was a joke. <laughs> it would probably be all in the same direction if i did instead of just all over the place so.
1: yeah no i was always thinking about maybe getting beard oil because whenever i grow mine out it gets really itchy after about a week and they say that goes away but i never get to the point where it goes away um but uh, maybe, maybe I should mention something about Perry. They, you know, for them, the big question is if Josh Lemon comes back, he injured his hamstring against McKinley in Week 9. Their offense is totally different with him. He averages 10 yards a carry. He's done that for two years, 10 yards a carry. And then you get Deion Cundiff and you get that kind of one-two punch, and uh, that just makes them a much bigger threat. So if, if he can play, um, I think that gives them you know maybe the edge in this one.
0: Yeah, definitely an interesting one to watch. I had a Neil Patrick Harris and a million ways to die in the West uh, reference all dialed up. <laughs> Kept making fun of Seth MacFarlane because he couldn't afford beard oil. Oh, man. So that was the, the whole joke there for about 45 minutes, which I found amusing. But yeah, I heard that that movie didn't have a ton of funny lines. In it there. does not. <laughs> and it's pretty crude even by uh, even by my standards, which are probably pretty low Uh yeah, so we'll move on from that and talk about Warren Harding and Maslin. The Tigers kept rolling last week. Aiden Longwell was able to play. They get the win over McKinley, mm-hmm. and uh, Warren Harding once again coming to Maslin.
1: Yeah, it's a rematch of, uh, I think it was week two or three. Anyway, Maslin wins 49-7 in that first one, and, and uh – and. You know, I mean, I'm sure Warren Harding wants to make a better effort of it, but I can't imagine any circumstances where Maslin doesn't win this game. And uh, the one thing I will say is, you know, although Maslin got tested a couple of times this year against, you know, a couple of Pittsburgh teams and Louisville, but last week was the first week I really felt like they had to play four quarters. And then you saw a team make a big defensive stand in the last, you know, three, four minutes against McKinley, and then they come right back on third down and, and, you know, Aiden Longwell hits Jaden Ballard for, a, I I think it was 79 yards or something like that, uh, for a touchdown and put the game away. So that was, that was, you know, them passing the only test they haven't really passed at this year, which is, can they, can they win a game that's close in the fourth quarter? And they did. And, and, uh, you know, they're a scary team coming into the, into the playoffs. You know, they're, they're, they've played, I think nine playoff games in the last two years. And, and, uh, you know, I mean, Hoban's obviously sitting there, but, you know, their, their defense is as good a defense as I've seen this year in and in probably in a couple years, um, dating back to maybe some of those Perry teams. So, you know, it's a really uh, it, it's, you know, it's a really scary matchup for Warren Harding because you already saw what you're in for and then you you kind of get kids to believe that you can you can beat a team that beat you by 42. I don't know. I don't. that's I don't a, know it's a tough you get.
0: situation to be in for sure. Yeah. Especially there's just a mental hurdle. Like you said they're young and maybe they can put that behind them, but I don't know. That's always a tough one to get over that many points. Uh <laughs> And then you mentioned Hoban Alliance moving up from Division Three to Division Two draws Hoban in the first round. That's their reward for making the playoffs. Which I guess it's it's kind of funny. Uh, Coach Seth Whiting told me last week that if they were still in Division Three, they would have been mathematically eliminated before the Marlington game. So I guess they're going to the playoffs. They draw, you know, the four-time defending state champions. <laughs> Aviators, I, I did like a lot of the things they did. This is a lot to ask, though, Joe. Yeah, but I mean, no matter what happens, this is a, a great
1: season for them. I mean, the league championship, another playoff berth. And I mean, never you, lost an EBC game. Yeah, maybe they no, continued that. I don't know that there's an alliance team in the last 20 years that could beat this Hoban team either. So, I mean, sometimes you just draw that matchup. But
0: um, the, yeah, maybe one of the E.J. Lilly schools back when I was in like middle school would have a chance or an outside chance, yeah. but uh, modern times, its that's incredibly tough, although I will say I was really impressed with Braden Hartsoe last week. He's thrown, I, I did the math, about 687 yards and eight touchdowns the last two weeks, and he throws a really nice deep ball, and he has good accuracy on it. But you're talking about a school with you got guys going to Arizona State for and Alabama, <laughs> Caden Clark, the tight end there is an Alabama recruit. I mean, that's another level of – you might see one of those guys on a team. When you got multiple on a team, man, that, I don't know if you can understate how much of a difference maker that is at the high school level. Yeah, and, and you know, really the story here is just <laughs> – Hoban being
1: in this region doesn't make sense to me. I mean, Barberton's right next to them, and they're, you know, they're Region 6. Worcester's in Region 6. I guess they went, you know, west, but.
0: Is it like they just move them around? It's like, well, it's your year to take them. Yeah. That seems to be what's going on. I can't explain it either. But, yeah, I mean, it's – and Division Two
1: has always been a little bit of a, a weird division because sometimes it's just the geography is – it creates some interesting regions of, you know, mismatched teams from Columbus and, you know, Youngstown, but in the same, you know, with Canton. But I think a lot of people are probably – Hoping that they can split Hoban Hoban and Maslin anyway. Not anybody in the other
0: regions. Well, you only sold out Tom Benson Hall of Fame Stadium and had people (laughs) packed into the rafters. Why would you want that again in the final? What do I know?
1: Yeah, I mean, chances are if you're one of those other six teams, you probably have to beat Maslin and Hoban, and then good luck the next two games if your body isn't mashed potatoes by then.
0: So it's stuff yeah. tough haul. Mashed potatoes and probably a lake of gravy. Well, <laughs> you know, that's just, that's no good for anybody. Yeah. I, I wish they found a way to separate them. That just seems mm-hmm. difficult, especially when you have sellout potential. You think you'd want to gerrymander it the other way where you preserve yeah. that, you know, like the, like, it's like a UFC title fight on pay-per-view. You want the big box office. You want this to end it, not be like, round three yeah and it's interesting is i mean do you put it
1: in benson then in in week three i don't know if you can do that if you yeah in state, exactly so. because it's in the, what's the you know i don't know if there's regulations where you can't do that or they don't
0: want to do that but how do you fit all those Maslin fans anywhere else uh, you if you may be looking at the university of akron which i mean yeah. a few years ago i covered glen oak against manor there but probably be, the as far as close by, that's a site I think might be befitting. <laughs> the, yeah, you can put
1: 15,000 Maslin fans in there and Hoban's uh, 1,000 fans can come in too.
0: So. You think it's that high at 1,000, <laughs> huh, Joe?
1: <laughs> I, I got some flack from people with Hoban fans on Twitter last year, and I was just like, they, they were insistent well, that they were a good probably going to be
0: migrating over my way now. Yeah,
1: and I was like, you know, listen, I'm not saying that the Hoban fans that are there aren't passionate. I'm just saying there aren't very many of
0: them. So. Yeah, they, I mean, we're not saying you're not ardent fans we're just saying there's it's like you're kind of like the grateful dead you know there's a small really loyal devoted fan base there and yeah and uh, Maslin's kind of like the Beatles with the number of followers they have in their area, right? So there you go. If you're before you uh,
1: criticize us, we're saying that you're a nice, passionate group, but you're just not as big as some other groups.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's hard. Is there? Is it hard to find anyone in the country as big and as rabid as Maslin fans? I mean, that's Texas has got to have some some people. Yeah, I yeah. think so, but uh, that might be where you need to go. Yeah. And I'm sure this will make its way to Texas, and I'll start hearing from those guys, too. (laughs) As long as I don't have the Jermaine Whitehead response, I think I'm okay, though. Yeah. Well, we'll move on here. The Goodwill Drive to Victory returned for the 2019 season. Fans were able to donate clothes and housewares at donation trailers set up at the site. Donations will be sold in local Goodwill stores and support employment programs for people in our community with disabilities or other barriers to employment. Donate stuff, help your school, help our community. And now we're going to move on and take a look at Division 5. We mentioned this was a pretty likely possibility last week, Joe, and it has come to pass. Sandy Valley absolutely routes Malvern Friday, and their reward is going to Kirtland, multiple-time state champion, powerhouse in this division. Mm -hmm. Ouch yeah I kind of feel like this uh, podcast
1: is trending towards i'm sorry about your first round matchup sure <laughs> level it is it kind of is <laughs> Sandy Valley deserves better than this nine and one um, they should not have to play this team on blowing the blowing the hinges off malvern who <laughs> yeah. who made the playoffs
0: after that we'll talk about that in a little bit
1: but. and it's one of those things where I think sandy Valley's play probably playing you know the schedule that for the most part, that program should be playing, but they didn't get a lot of help from the teams they beat this year. They ended up being eighth. And I mean, this is a, this is a different type of team than you're seeing, you know, statewide. I mean, the teams like Coldwater, they can hang with Kirtland on a year to year basis. I mean, they're just, you know, they got a hundred kids that, you know, they're, they're just well coached. They're, they're really physical. They're really tough. And, and they're really battle tested, and they need you know they blow out teams um, yeah, on a pretty regular basis because of what they do. And and uh, not not to say that that they couldn't you know same I couldn't win, but I think that we would all like to see a better first round matchup for them.
0: I definitely would. I thought the win, I thought that was a real quality win last week. Not mm-hmm. only the not only the win, but the fact they shut out Malvern, who had scored a lot of points this year. That was a pretty impressive showing, and, again, that's that's a tough matchup. Also in Division 5, Joe, we get Rootstown at Manchester. Uh, Manchester a few weeks ago, midway through the season, they're going to overtime at Fairless, and we're wondering if they're even going to finish above 500. they They're now hosting a playoff game <laughs> against Rootstown. That's how quick things change in the state.
1: Yeah, it's so funny, too, because um – yeah I, I i thought oh shoot they probably won't be able to beat cbca last week and you know they handled them pretty well and and uh you know you kind of see a rootstown team that's going in a different direction because they had they had kind of like, the last few years had a pretty long regular season winning streak and and you know they lost three of their last five and and uh you know not you know a couple of those were against nine and one teams but um you know a Southeast, I think was their loss last week. So they're kind of trending in the other direction, and um, I, I think Manchester has to feel a lot better about this matchup than they would have five weeks ago. So,
0: uh, yeah, Ethan Wright's been on a mm-hmm. on an absolute roll. The whole team has been on an absolute roll. I'd I'd think the they probably have an excellent chance of winning this game. Yeah, I mean, I and I think like we can probably admit this, but after
1: week one or two, we were kind of like, what's wrong with Ethan Wright? You know, why is he not getting one hundred? 50, 200 yards a game, and, and sure. that was nothing. It was just he needed some of those sophomores that were playing – uh, just to grow up a little bit and everything, to figure it out. And Jim France team's usually figure it out. So,
0: well, they uh, figured it out. I remember, <laughs> I remember you saying there wasn't enough cars in the parking lot. It was all bicycles. Do you yeah. think they've upgraded to some of those uh, those lifts, motorized scooters? Yeah, maybe they got their this? temps. I don't know. Like in the last two months, <laughs> <laughs> something's happened. Something. So. So, uh, yeah, Manchester, that's definitely one to keep an eye on. I think they have one of the better chances in the area to advance this week. Mm -hmm. Well, the Akron Children's Hospital Friday Night Ohio Game of the Week continues this week, the live stream broadcast. Cast in partnership with iHeartRadio, will be on FridayNightOhio.com and the Friday Night Ohio app. Sam Berkwin and company will have everything for you, so just be sure to check the app and see what we have on tap. I'm sure it's going to be fantastic. And then we move on to Division 7. Our own Mike Popovich, uh, Joe, has now got a road trip on his hands <laughs> after Aquinas fell to Canton South last week in Week 10. The Knights going to Toronto. Yeah, good old Jefferson County, Ohio.
1: Um, I mean, I, I think this is, you know, again, we talk about this is a game they could win. Toronto's eight 8-2, but I don't think they're a powerhouse.
0: It's just, boy, you know, you'd... You would have you, liked to have had that at home.
1: Yeah, you know, and and I think they probably felt like they should have won against Canton South last week. That's not, you know, a team that they couldn't have beat or anything. So that probably keeps you on the road and um, just be interesting to see how they handle that. But, you know, Aquinas has
0: a little bit of a weird schedule anyway. So they're kind of used to, yeah, they had a bye week <laughs> in week nine. So there was, there was some, some interesting stuff in there.
1: Yeah. And they've, they've, you know, they've traveled
0: around a little bit. they,
1: Played you know Gilmore Academy in week one they you know they've kind of been in a league that was up you know north kind of in the Cleveland area before so you know I don't think it's anything new to getting on a bus and, and driving for a while but yeah they, you know they have a good season I think they probably feel like you know they don't want it to end and and maybe it shouldn't end I think this is a game that
0: that uh, I still think they have a shot to yeah. win this one. And then this next one came as a surprise. Malvern loses thirty-eight-zero to Sandy Valley. They end up drawing the eighth seed. They go to Cuyahoga Heights. That's not a great matchup for you uh, if you're Malvern. Um, it's not favorable.
1: <laughs> Cuyahoga Heights has been a, a really good team. I think uh, I think they've eliminated East Canton a, a couple of times in the last few years, or at least they've played them in the playoffs. Um, you know, they've been one of the better teams in the state and and uh you know malvern is he, you know you look at division seven sometimes you get those five and five teams and you kind of wonder mm, is this you know a legitimate playoff team and and certainly malvern's coming off a game where they didn't play very well so you know got to get it together they've they've had some good wins but this is going to be a really tough challenge for them in, in uh in week 11.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that's one where I, I don't like the odds in that one, Joe, as far as uh, teams being able to advance. That was not a strong note to be heading into the playoffs on. No, and, uh, you know... <sighs>
1: Funny things happen in the playoffs. probably need to get some turnovers, but it uh, doesn't look good for Malvern. But
0: uh, no matter what happens, you make the playoffs, it's a good year for you. Absolutely. It's definitely – I don't think before the season anyone had Malvern in the playoffs. So that's a great year for them. And I, I guess are we going to talk about the elephant in the room you brought up in the Sunday special? A survey <laughs> has gone out where I guess uh, there there's some sentiment that some want to get more teams in the playoffs yeah and and i think um i think
1: you know the vibe i'm getting fans don't really want to see that um but I, I you know in my experience typically coaches are always in favor of of more teams making a tournament you'll always look like in college basketball every year they always want the ncaa tournament to to grow because you know it's good for you but um i i don't like it i i think, uh, I think eight is plenty. You know, we did have two teams that were 10-0 and 0 that, that didn't make the playoffs this year. That's the first time in 18 years. And, and uh, you know, I think it's a little bit of an anomaly. We feel bad for those teams. But, you know...
0: Hey, they still got to go ten and zero. You yeah, know, you
1: still so got to go ten and zero. And maybe if you if you think you're going to have a special team, you'd be up your non-league schedule a little bit and get you know a little bit more points. And that doesn't happen. Um, you don't have to have to change the system altogether because of that. And and uh, but you know, it'd be interesting to see what happens because they they polled everybody in the state. Every coach gets a vote. From each school, and and uh, you know, it's some, a story we will obviously be following. But the thing that that makes me uncomfortable is just giving any teams a buy. You get four under the proposal, four teams would get a buy, and you know, there's no way of picking the right four teams all the time because there's certainly teams that don't play anybody, and they'll go ten and zero, and they'll you know, they'll be. Moving on to the second round, whereas a team that went seven and three, like let's say Hoover and their losses are like, you know, St. V and Akron East and McKinley. And you're like, well, shoot, you know, they got to play in week 11 and this team that played a bunch of division three and four schools doesn't. So um, that that's what made me uncomfortable because I think I think every team should have to win five playoff games if you're going to really make this equal.
0: I agree. I'm also on the side that I I don't think we need to expand it. And just one of my big things is then you're asking a high school kid to play 16 games, which I think is a bit much. They talk about cutting down on some of the preseason stuff. There's nothing that precludes you from doing that now without expanding the playoffs. You can just do that. So I I don't see that cutting something means you should have to add something. You can just cut it.
1: Um, you know, and I think the other, the other thing is, uh, from a reporter standpoint, if we're being completely honest, uh, we're pretty tired by week eleven. So to have like, like maybe like well, uh, there is that thirty or forty percent more teams. Uh, sometimes well, the we're probably thing- in, in the back of our minds. We're probably thinking, eh.
0: but the other side of the coin is this: you mentioned there's ten and no teams. Sure, they'd have made it. There's probably some four and six, three and seven teams who probably would have made it too. Do you want to get down to sub five hundred teams? Yeah, you're going to have a lot there. of sub five hundred teams in the playoffs. I just, I don't like that. I mean, I don't like that. And Tim Bud mentioned he, he
1: he brought up a good point. Jackson's coach and I talked to him. He he basically said, "Are we not getting the best teams to the championship game?" He goes, "No, we are." And So like we're we're, we're tweaking a system to really kind of reward teams for nice seasons, but. The, this, the system really works. I think the best teams, it's very, very rare that a that a team that's capable of winning a state title is left out that's finishing ninth or, or worse. So um, I, I don't know that if you're expanding it, you're really going to change the makeup of the, the state championship games. So that's to me, that's the question, because the tournament exists not to reward your team, but it's to decide uh, the state champion and which team is the best. And, and I think it does that.
0: Yeah, and football is just such a different game than, say, basketball. The physical toll is so high. I just I don't want to see more games. And then when you do get into some of these matchups where, you know, you're going to have – I mean, sometimes those top-seeded teams, you mentioned Euclid, different level of physicality mm-hmm. from what you're used to, and that's – I don't know. I just don't think it's a good recipe for the health and well-being of kids to expand it.
1: So he can put us both down for no, but... Uh um, let the mail commence yeah I'm it's not our decision tweet
0: the tweeter uh, the Twitter the tweeter it's all gonna be tweeting my way and I'm sure I'll have all sorts of fun and rare delights on my hands <laughs> well thanks for downloading and listening to the Friday night Ohio podcast powered by Sarda Sarda providing over 5,000 rides a day for work Sarda provides over 2.4 million rides a year Sarda takes you to work school medical appointments and more Sarda where can we take you today this is a podcast from the canton repository sports department look for our next episode late friday night for joe scalzo i'm cliff hickman we will see you then